Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. Are you awake yet? Are you on your way to work or taking the kids to school? or I don't know, wherever you're going today, we're going to be praying for your day, all of your intentions. We always do here on the show. We hope you also pray for us as well. But we have a great hour lined up for you this hour. But, uh, you know, the whole show is just going to be really good today. Uh, Celine Tadier is going to be our guest. You may have never heard of Celine, but she is a, a journalist with the National Catholic Register. And she has a couple of articles out that we wanted to talk to her about, so we reached out to her. She's in Rome. One is the coronavirus lockdown has increased persecution against Christians worldwide. Um, so there's a, a link here, and it's, it's a disturbing link at that. We've talked a lot on this show about the increase in um, depression, uh, addictions, abuse. Crime rates are off the charts Look at what's going on in South Los Angeles. Their crime rate has increased in, in a huge, huge uh, number. Uh, Chicago was always bad. It's not any better now. I mean, so we're seeing that there is a direct correlation to lockdowns, to terrible things, but persecution of Christians in particular. Celine Tadier will be our guest to discuss that. She also has another article that I might uh, touch on that says uh, that, there's no way out of the post-COVID social crisis without the family. Amen. That sounds very good. So that'll be our conversation with our guest today, Celine Tadier, National Catholic Register. Of course, we're going to have breaking news and stories with Emily Alcarez. Good morning to you, Emily. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing today? Praise God, I am alive. Now, it's all good news Thursday, right? Uh, always. <laughs> no, it is no? the feast day of Our Lady of Lords, which is a big one for me. I yeah. love Our Lady of Lords. Praise God. Yeah, praise God. Now, we'll have a different saying of the day, but Our Lady of Lords is pretty pretty fantastic. Uh, I can't imagine any Catholic has not heard of Our Lady of Lords. Is it possible for, to be a Catholic and not know of Our Lady of Lords? Probably. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is on the ones and twos. <laughs> Speaking Good morning. of nobody having heard of me. Uh, <laughs> I meant Lords. Oh, I meant okay. Lords. No. Okay. Of course they've heard of you. Of course. I'm the most popular person in the po- world. The most popular radio producer in the country in the at whole the time. world. Uh, Our Lady of Lords, you've heard of Our Lady of Lords, right, Adrian? Uh, yes, absolutely. And also my novice master in the novitiate, he was a huge uh, Lords fan. So we would talk about that all the time. So that's pretty awesome. Well, praise God. Well, unfortunately, we won't be talking a lot about Our Lady of Lords today. We should probably. St. Bernadette, pray for us. But uh, no, today we'll have a different Saint of the Day. So we'll have Saint of the Day. We'll have Gospel of the Day. We'll have a What's Concerning Us segment. And today we'll have a guest on the What's Concerning Us. Uh, Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute will be rejoining our program today to give us an update on uh, his reporting on the CRS issues. So we'll be discussing that in the What's Concerning Us. And as I said, Celine uh, Taddeier will be our guest in the guest segment. Of course, we have our game show in the second hour, and our prize sponsor this week is ChooseLife.com, C-H-E-W-S, ChooseLife.com. It's a a chewable teething rosary for infants. So that's kind of cool. So three chances to win that prize will happen in the next hour if you're able to join us for that. But big program, lots to discuss and dive into. Let's pray. Whatever your intentions are, my dear listener, we are including your intentions, your needs today. 
We're praying for those, praying for our team here, our apostolates uh, across the Station of the Cross and the Guadalupe Radio Networks. Uh, we're praying for our, our equipment. I'm praying for my family and our intentions as a family. And, of course, for the conversion of uh, the hearts and mind and policies of President Joe Biden on the non-negotiable issues. Let's pray and ask Our Lady to intercede uh, for all of these intentions by whispering them into the ear of her Son. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. Thousands of parents took a stand against the implementation of transgender policies in a Virginia school this month. The concerned parents managed to stall the implementation of a government-mandated transgender policy in all K-12 schools that would allow boys to, who claim to be girls to enter girls' bathrooms, dressing rooms, and changing areas. Slated to take effect on February 4th, the mandates were sent back for review for another 30 days after more than 9,000 Virginians commented on them at a state-run public comment site where they opposed the policies two to one. The Family Foundation of Virginia called the policies troubling and unworkable since they would force all students, faculty, and administrators to comply with an empirically false view of sex and gender, even if it directly conflicts with their own fundamental beliefs. In another act of big tech censorship, YouTube has banned the popular Catholic website LifeSite News from its platform and has completely removed all of the videos posted on its channel. YouTube had previously suspended LifeSite's channel last November after allegations of medical misinformation were made against a video featuring comments from a medical doctor. Dr. Roger Hodkinson, CEO and medical director of Western Medical Assessments. Dr. Hodkinson said that the media reaction to and the politics of the coronavirus were the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on an unsuspecting public. In a statement made to the Media Research Center, LifeSite News Editor-in-Chief John Henry Weston said the website remains undaunted by YouTube censorship and will move their content to alternative platforms. A scandal at the Vatican Seminary shows the growing division between Roman seminarians over the liturgy. At a hearing on Wednesday in a trial for alleged abuse and cover-up at a Vatican Youth Seminary, Father Gabriel Martinelli asserted his innocence, imputing abuse accusations to jealousy and divisions within the institution. The 28-year-old Martinelli had been charged with using violence and his position of authority to commit sexual abuse against a younger student at the Pius X pre-seminary in Vatican City. The Pius X pre-seminary is a residence for about a dozen boys aged 12 to 18 who serve at papal masses and other liturgies in St. Peter's Basilica and are considering the priesthood. Martinelli claimed that there was a conflict among students at the seminary who disagreed about liturgy and their preferences for the old or new rite of the Mass. The alleged abuse victim, L.G., will take the witness stand in mid-March. And on Wednesday, Pope Francis said that prayer can fortify us as we face the challenges of daily life. Speaking at his general audience on February 10th, the Pope explained that prayer helps us to see the infinite grace that lies beyond the visible world, saying, quote, Christian prayer instills an invincible hope in the human heart. Whatever experience we touch on our journey, God's love can turn it into good. 
In his address, the Holy Father continued the cycle of catechesis on prayer, which he launched in May and resumed in October following nine reflections on healing the world after the pandemic. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things, Pope St. Gregory II. Pray for us. Born in Rome in 669, he was involved in church affairs from a very early age, in fact. Pope St. Sergius I ordained Gregory a subdeacon. He would serve the next four popes as treasurer of the church and the librarian. Pretty cool. Uh, St. Gregory was elected the 89th pope in 715. He held the synods of, uh, to correct abuses, stopped heresy, promoted discipline and morality in religious and clerical life, rebuilt a great portion of the walls of Rome in order to protect the city against the Lombards. He restored churches. He cared for the sick and aged, reestablished monasteries and abbeys, consecrated St. Boniface and St. Corbinian as missionary bishops to the tribes in Germany. English pilgrims increased to the point that they required a church, a cemetery, and school of their own, and he helped to build those too. In his dealings with Emperor Leo III, though, Gregory had to show strength and patience. Leo demanded the destruction of holy images. And when bishops failed to convince Leo of his error, they appealed to the Pope because they refused to destroy those holy images. Gregory tried to change the emperor's thinking. He uh, counseled the people to maintain allegiance to the prince, but encouraged the bishops to oppose the heresy. Did you catch that? There's a difference here. You can be respectful of the office and still oppose heresy. I think there's a lesson there for all of us. It appears that Pope St. Gregory II was the victor in the end. He died in 731 on February the 11th in Rome, Italy. Pope St. Gregory II, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. Jesus went to the district of Tyre. He entered a house and went and wanted no one to know about it, but he could not escape notice. Soon a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to drive the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied and said to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. Then he said to her, For saying this, you may go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. When the woman went home, she found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, pretty harsh words that, you know, that the, uh, call, using the word dog there. Did you catch that? Now, here's the interesting thing. Jesus is saying, well, we, we've come to feed the children of Israel first, right? But notice where he is preaching in the district of Tyre. Mostly Gentile up there. So it's, it's like, uh, what's really going on here? He is already speaking to many Gentiles. We've already seen this in Mark's gospel a couple of times up to this point. And, uh, there's an opportunity here to test the woman in her faith, but also in her perseverance. But that dogs, that's a common slang used by the Jews against the Gentiles in the area. The goyin, the goyin dogs, the Gentile dogs. That was the, uh, that was the slang. And he tests 
tests her with this, and she comes out with great humility. She shows humility, she shows faith, and she shows perseverance. And because of that, Jesus, I think when this story is told in one of the other Gospels, he actually points out how great her faith is. He actually uses her faith as an example to chide the Israelites. If only they had the faith of the uh, of the Roman centurion. If only they had the faith of this Gentile woman, right? So her faith has uh, and perseverance. She did not give up, even when our Lord tested her. And this is a sort of a, a, a foreshadowing, a taste of what's to come. We all remember, of course, Matthew 28, when our Lord tells his disciples to go out and to make the disciples of all nations, to preach the good news, the gospel to even Gentiles. Well, he is starting, he is leading the way for others to follow right here in this passage today with this woman. He he heals her daughter and she is not even among the children. The other thing I want to point out is, is also this great hostility between the Jews and the Israelites. We might remember when Jesus uh, fashioned the cord and kicked out the money changers out of the temple. Do you know what court that was that, that took place? It was the court of the Gentiles. They were supposed to have their own court at the temple for prayer. Even the Gentiles were welcomed into the house of the Father to come and to pray. And yet they set up this marketplace there, making it impossible for Gentiles to truly pray. Even St. Paul references this, uh, this place in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. He talks about the great dividing wall. There was a hole through this wall where a Gentile could pass from this court to the court of the Jews, to the males. And there, Above that hole in that wall was a sign that said, you pass at your own risk because you will be killed if you come through here. St. Paul says that that dividing wall has been torn down in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.14, you should read that. But it's a powerful passage today that no matter who you are, no matter what your circumstances, if you appeal to the mercy of God and you have faith and perseverance, God is good and will hear your prayer. Adrian, Emily? Well, we have about... Uh 30, 40 seconds. So, uh, real quick, the, uh, the image of the lady, uh, preaching and, uh, and begging God for forget, for the driving out the devil from her daughter is a prefigurement to the sacrament of confession. I mean, not confession, rather baptism. Because, uh, this, through the faith of the mother, not the faith of the daughter, through the faith of the mother, the child is healed. And so, it's a prefigurement of infant baptism. Uh, so I'll leave it at that for now. Speaking of the infamous, uh, Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute is going to be our guest in the What's Concerning Us segment. He's going to update us on the uh, CRS report. All of that coming up in the next segment. But uh, Celine Tadier is going to be our guest from National Catholic Register in the, in the interview segment. So don't go anywhere. A lot of Catholic drive time is still headed your way. We'll be right back. The Catechism defines an indulgence as a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins whose guilt has already been forgiven. But is it biblical to say punishment remains after God has forgiven our sins and that we can do something to satisfy it? I think it is. For example, David is forgiven of his sin in 2 Samuel 12, but yet must suffer the death of his son. Even Jesus teaches in Luke 12 that the servant who sins without full knowledge will be punished, but in a lesser degree. It is such temporal consequences that indulgences remit. Exercising her power to bind and loose, the church grants indulgences to help her children heed St. Paul's exhortation in Philippians 2.12, work out your salvation. So, is the Catholic understanding of an indulgence biblical? You bet it is. 
I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. It's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, it's order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's M-A-G-I-S center.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Uh, Joe McLean here, your host. I'm so, uh, it, I'm in personally inspired by the uh, great uh, great number of people who've signed up for our email list so far, the Catholic Drive Time email list. I'm very excited about what we're going to try to do during the holy season of Lent to bring you some extra content through that email list. And obviously, I think a lot of people wanted to hear that uh, free talk from Father Bill Casey. So if you still want to get in on that, you can go to uh, grnonline.com forward slash cdt, grnonline.com forward slash cdt to sign up to that email list and get that talk from Father Bill Casey. It's pretty cool. Uh, Real quick, before we jump into our conversation, there were several stories I was very concerned about today. Maybe we'll talk about them in the after show of our program, uh, which we live stream on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Speaking of which, uh, YouTube has deplatformed LifeSite News now. Um, Saw that coming, but still pretty sad. And then there was an article on LifeSite that says, Pfizer bails out of India after country demands safety testing for COVID vaccine. Isn't that interesting? When the locals in India say, well, it's okay to have the vaccine, but we want to do some safety testing. They're like, oh, no, never mind. never. That's okay. We're going to pass. We're going to move on. Why is that? Why is that? Because there are concerns. There are obvious concerns. At any rate, maybe we'll talk about that in the after show. I'll link to the article nonetheless. Uh, good morning to you, Michael Hitchborn, Lepanto Institute, rejoining the program. Good morning, Joe. Good to hear you. Yeah, praise God. It's good to have you on again. It's always nice to see you and get the uh, the latest information from Lepanto. Uh, so I, I thought I saw a post earlier this week that said you had breaking news. on yes, what Was it on CRS? No, this is on the Catholic Campaign for Human Development. Okay, so I was incorrect. I reported incorrectly. Uh, so uh, the CCHD fund, can you? Uh, can we have the breaking news here? Did we get an exclusive today? Uh, yes, absolutely. So uh, earlier in the week, we reported that the Catholic Campaign for Human Development had made uh, three grants to organizations in, in the Diocese of Nashville. Stand Up Nashville, Memphis Interface Coalition for Action and Hope, and Nashville Organized for Action and Hope. All three organizations are in direct violation of CCHD grant guidelines because they were promoting abortion, contraception, homosexuality, and that kind of stuff. Uh, what we found, and I'm giving you an exclusive here because Praise we actually God. haven't uh, released this this report yet, <laughs> but what we found is another organization in the Diocese of Nashville that is actually a partner with Planned Parenthood. Uh, and we have video of this organization promoting abortion on their social media feeds. This was right there, very easy to find, uh, readily available. CCHD claims that it has this thorough vetting process 
uh, where they go through, they monitor everything these organizations do. They can't possibly uh, have been involved in the promotion of abortion or contraception while they were uh, going through the grant vetting process. That's a lie because we found this information going back to 2017, uh, and this organization has been getting grants since at least 2012. So, uh, and it got a grant again just this past year. So, this thorough vetting process is an absolute joke. Uh, I, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm beside myself. You've been, I think I've asked you the same question probably four or five times on the number of times that we've had you on a program that I've hosted. Why do we fail? <laughs> what is so hard about saying, I'm sorry, your organization clearly promotes, supports uh, intrinsic evils that we as Catholics cannot partner with? Why is that just beyond the reach of this vetting process? Well, there are only two possibilities. Either the Catholic Campaign for Human Development is completely and totally incompetent, that they're just not doing what they say they do. That's one possibility. The other possibility is that they actually agree with what this organization is doing, and they're willing to turn a blind eye to it. Now, in the, the CCHD grant guidelines say that they cannot give grants to organizations that are not in line with church teaching. So could this become a legal issue potentially? I would think so. I mean, the CCHD is constantly telling people that they um, uh, th that they ask for money from. So whenever every November they put out the uh, the little envelope and say, "Please give to the CCHD." They're telling people, and they consistently tell people that they never, ever, ever grant money to these organizations that are doing these terrible things. That's fraud. That's fraud. It's not true. Um, so they're they are fraudulently representing the kinds of organizations that they give money to and we are consistently finding these organizations are attacking catholic moral teaching they're attacking it it's not just that they oppose it or that they are not ideologically linked to it they actually actively attack catholic moral teaching i, I seem to remember something about saint paul saying uh we shouldn't be unequally yoked and yet we <laughs> find ourselves completely and always Unequally yoked with these organizations. Um, let me play devil's advocate for just a moment here. I, is there some remote reason why we might rationalize or justify the, the, the cooperation with these organizations? Are they doing something that we would find incredibly good as to a reason to rationalize giving them money when they support intrinsic evil? Well, these Hitchcock. organizations are awful. I mean, I look through their... their um social media feeds, I look at their leadership, I look at the things that they post, uh, the things that they are actively doing. These are Saul Alinsky community organizing groups. They were created on the idea that the, the ends justifies the means, and they were based on the philosophy of creating a class warfare. There's no reason this that the CCHD should exist to begin with. It was created to fund political agitprop agit groups that are rooted in Marxist ideologies of class warfare. These groups are terrible. So, over the past few years, I mean, you've been reporting on CCHD now for a long time. I mean, it's, uh, it's been a long time coming with Lepanto yep. Institute. Uh, have you noticed, do you have any statistics on how the CCHD campaign performs year after year? Has there been a downturn? Have, have more Catholics uh, stopped giving to the campaign? Has it been the same? Do you have any idea? So it's, it's hard to tell because they don't report their actual figures. Um, they simply say, this is our budget, and that budget can come from anywhere. That budget could come from the general fund, 
to make up any shortfalls that are coming from uh, collections. Now, what I can say is that more and more people are writing me saying, the collection took place this this month, but my pastor didn't uh, promote it, and there was maybe a dollar in the collection plate. So people, I'm getting more and more reports like that, which seems to indicate that there's a big downturn in donations. But uh, in terms of actual numbers, I don't have those because they don't report them. We're talking with Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute. We'll link to his website as well. Uh, Lepanto has been uh, reporting on these issues for quite some time. Uh, in pr- one of the, I guess, only voices out there to really try to call, uh, p- hold people accountable as to why we would give donor dollars to organizations that support intrinsic evils that we as Catholics are appalled by. Um, but here's a question for you, Michael. Are there alternatives? I mean, Catholics have a obligation, it's a precept of the church, to support, uh, support the work of the church, to support the church's ministers and our charitable works. Is there any other organization that we could go to, provide money to, that does do uh, corporal works of mercy without all the, the uh, cooperation with these crazy organizations? Michael Hitchborn. Absolutely. In fact, if you go to our website, lepantoin.org, at the very top of the uh, the front page, we have a menu bar. You look at the menu bar, one of them says charity reports. We've got a list of almost 100 charitable organizations that we have per- personally vetted. Um, most of them say not safe, but the ones that do say safe, we have vetted to make sure that they are not promoting anything that's heretical, anything that is, or anything at all that's contrary to Catholic moral teaching, or even the social teachings of the church. So, uh, we have thoroughly vetted those organizations. You can go to our website, take a look at the uh, the list that we've put together, and that's a, that's a great spot for you to find out where you can give your money. We're going to be linking to that on the Facebook side of our show today, so you can find it at facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. We'll also post it on the GRN online side and the Station of the Cross side as well. Uh, Michael Hitchborn, we have a few minutes left in our conversation uh, talking about the Lepanto, Lepanto Institute reporting on the capital campaign for human development. What do you recommend Catholics, faithful Catholics do in, in this case? Do we talk to our pastors? Do we have a conversation with the bishop? Do you find that that will be fruitful? Or what do you recommend, Michael Hitchborn? Well, first of all, it's important to know the facts. I think that people need to read the report so that they can talk to their bishops intelligently. Um, because just, just sending a, bill, a letter to the bishop saying, I can't believe you're giving to the CCHD, uh, the bishop's going to write you back and say, no, they do so much good work and here are the good things that they do. You have to know the facts. So look at our report, either print it out and then send it to your bishop, or just get to know the talking points, figure out the most egregious aspects of what we reported, and then write a letter to your bishop and say, the CCHD is giving to this and this and this and this. Your Excellency, this has been going on for far too long. Please withdraw from the CCHD. Stop taking up its collection. Stop participating in this national collection. Uh, I would much rather help support local initiatives, uh, and maybe we can work together to do that. But please stop giving to the national CCHD. Don't take up the collection anymore. I know there are priests who have tried to reroute some of those funds to local initiatives and gotten in big trouble for doing so, too. So it's a pretty precarious situation out there. This is one of the points that uh, I'm always bothered by. Whenever we talk about these, you know, divisive hot button issues, it's really not about right and left. It's not about, you know, conservative or Republican. It's about Catholic. It's about the right versus wrong. It's about the faith. And I just don't understand why... uh, 
in your case, Michael, I know that you get you get uh, shut down quite a bit in trying to share this information with bishops and priests um, because it seems very political. Is it political for you, Michael? Are you just a uh, a closet Republican conservative that that's all you really care about? I mean, what is the real deal there? It's not political at all. It's moral. Uh, it goes back to Sirach 12, which says, uh, do no good to your enemies. Give them no alms, lest they use them against you. Um, this is the case with the CCHD. The CCHD is giving funding to organizations that are actively attacking the Catholic Church. They are actively attacking the moral teachings of the Catholic Church. And as long as we are giving them money, we are giving arms to the enemies of the cross of Christ. We have to stop. We have to stop. And, and that's all I'm trying to get the CCHD to do. They give all sorts of platitudes and, and they say, well, you know, we're, we've, we've got this vetting process and we have tried and worked and hard. You know, we talk to these organizations and they say that they don't do these terrible things. Well, how blind do you have to be? Well, maybe they don't have the team of investigators uh, that works 24 hours a day, 365 days a, a year that you do, Michael, at Lepanto, in order to vet these organizations. Maybe they just have one staff member who, who has to search a web page. So maybe you just have more resources than USCCB. Wow, if, the, if I've got more resources than the USCCB, I sure wish it came with the pay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess the last question uh, for La, uh, Michael Hitchborn Lepanto Institute is, how hard is it to discover this information? How long did it take you and whoever works on your team to uncover these connections and what they actually, these organizations actually stand for? We literally found the stuff that, we are, that I told you about today that we haven't published yet, but the, uh, the organization that we found partnered with Planned Parenthood, mm. we literally found that information within seconds seconds really? of looking into it. Wow. All right. Wow. Praise God. We're going to be linking to Lepanto uh, in their website and the alternative organizations that you can give money to uh, instead of the CCHD because uh, it's, it's very troubling. At any rate, Michael Hitchborn, Lepanto Institute, thank you for being on and giving us the scoop today. Praise be to God. Thanks so much for having me on, Joe. God bless you. All right. God love you. Uh, we're we're going to go to break. We're going to come back. We have more breaking news and stories with Emily Alcarez. And then uh, Celine Tadier from the National Catholic Register will be our guest in the guest segment. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Much more to come. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, you've got to believe in yourself? G.K. Chesterton says, The people who believe in themselves are all in lunatic asylums. You have to believe in something outside yourself. You have to believe that there is a greater reality than the one inside your head. If the only thing you believe in is yourself, your world will become very small, about the size of a padded cell. We live in a world that rejects the worship of the one true God and has substituted something called the God within. But as Chesterton says, if Jones is told to worship the God within, it ultimately means that Jones shall worship Jones. And that's not going to work. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton.org. 
Hi, this is Dave Palmer inviting you to join me and Cecil Anderson each Friday at 4 p.m. Central, 5 o'clock Eastern Time for a new program here on the Guadalupe Radio Network called Back to the Father, which is based on the teachings of the angelic doctor St. Thomas Aquinas in his Summa Theologia. Each week we talk about how a life focused on our final end is a life that is more joyful and more hopeful as we journey back to the Father. Please join us this Friday at 4 p.m. Central here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. I'm Emily Alcaraz. Today is Thursday, February 11th, and these are your headlines for today. Chaos erupted at the end of the second day of the second impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump yesterday. House Democrats were forced to withdraw from the record a statement a GOP senator said was falsely attributed to him after Senate Democrats lost control of the proceedings. The incident began when Democrat impeachment manager Representative David Cicilline recalled public reporting that then-President Trump allegedly called Sen- Senator Mike Lee by accident when he supposedly meant to call Senator Tommy Tuberville. While senators were in a temporary holding room after being evacuated from the Senate floor during the Capitol riot. These fireworks on the Senate floor closed out the first full day of opening arguments in the impeachment trial of Trump in the Senate, the second such trial Trump has faced. Democrats will continue their opening arguments today, then Trump's lawyers have an opportunity to respond. The Archdiocese of Detroit will be restoring the Sunday Mass obligation in March. In a letter this week, Archbishop Alan Vigneron wrote, In allowing the general dispensation to expire, we welcome back to Mass all Catholics who have already been engaged in other activities that would present a similar or greater risk of exposure, such as eating out at restaurants, traveling, partaking in non-essential shopping, and widening one's circle of contacts. Churches in the Archdiocese will remain limited to 50% capacity and mask and social distancing requirements will remain. Vigneron thanked parishes for their efforts to stream Mass online in the past year, but cautioned that watching a broadcast of Mass cannot become the norm because, quote, God did not come to us virtually. He came to us and continues to come to us in the flesh. Attorneys for the Archdiocese of Chicago argued before the Seventh Circuit on Tuesday that parishes should be free to choose church leaders without government interference. In the case of Demkovich versus St. Andrew the Apostle Parish, the former music director of St. Andrew sued the Archdiocese of Chicago for discrimination after his employment was terminated in 2014. The staffer, Sander Demkovich, had entered into a same-sex marriage, which violates church teaching. Demkovich initially filed an employment discrimination lawsuit, which was rejected by a district court. He then sued again, claiming that he was the victim of a hostile work environment, according to court documents. Beckett, the religious liberty law firm representing the archdiocese, said, Churches, not judges or government officials, should control who stands at the pulpit or in front of the choir. And Pope Francis was presented on Wednesday with a historic Aramaic prayer manuscript rescued from the Islamic State's destructive occupation of northern Iraq. Dating back to some time between the 14th and 15th centuries, the book contains liturgical prayers in Aramaic for the season of Easter in the Syriac tradition. The manuscript was formerly kept in the great Al-Tahira Immaculate Conception Cathedral, the Syriac Catholic Cathedral in Bakhdida. The cathedral was plundered and set alight when the Islamic State had control of the town until 2016. The 10-month restoration process involved consultation with experts at the Vatican Library, 
which has Syriac volumes dating back to the same period. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date on the information. Don't forget to join that email list, the Catholic Drive Time email list. Get the Father Bill Casey talk and all the alerts of uh, what we're going to be doing for special content during the holy season of Lent here at the Catholic Drive Time team. Pull out your phone and just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's text the letters GRN to the number 42828, and you'll be able to get that talk from Father Bill Casey right away. Uh, joining us right now, all the way from Italy on Zoom chat, is Celine Tadier. She is a journalist, a reporter with the National Catholic Register, and she has a couple of stories that really interest us here on the team. One was the coronavirus lockdown has increased persecutions against the Christian worldwide. The other one had to do with family being a part of the solution to get us out of the current crazy. So uh, we invited her to be on. Good morning to you, Celine. Thank you for being on with us. Good morning to you. Thank you for having me. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Uh, we're very grateful for your time. Um, let's start with the coronavirus lockdown has increased. Now, we've seen a lot of reporting over the past year of increased depression, increased abuse, increased um, addictions, and all kinds of very bad markers for society. Um, but I'm not sure how many people have connected coronavirus lockdowns with persecutions. Tell us about your article and what you found. Yes, but basically in 2020, the, the figures were already extremely bad, but it has further increased in 2021 since there are like uh, three, 340 million Christians worldwide uh, who have experienced uh, or a high level uh, or uh, of persecution or extreme level of persecution in uh, in uh, in, uh, uh, in 2020? So during the report of 2021, uh, so the, 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 these figures are terrible. It's the first time in the world watch list history the, uh, that among all of the f- 50 countries recorded, a very high level or extreme level of persecution and discrimination were recorded. So. It's still North Korea ranks first among the greatest persecutions uh, for Christians, but it was followed by uh, Afghanistan, Somalia, and Libya, and Pakistan. But the the news that uh, should be really uh, mentioned is the fact that, yes, the, the, the health crisis has increased a lot, uh, this phenomenon, especially in countries like India, uh, Central Asia, where Christians were even not, were not considered uh, by uh, government aids, like with, with medicines, masks, food packages. Uh, so the, the situation was extremely difficult for them. So this is what I've been founding uh, seg- following this uh, annual conference held at the uh, Italian Chamber of Deputies. Uh, it's presented by Open Doors Italy. Uh, so th- these figures are very concerning. Uh, and. It also it was also an opportunity for uh, for governments like India and China to increase their uh, technological surveillance uh, over the population. Uh, we know that how China has been controlling the population through technology for years, but this year it has increased terribly through the health restriction because it gave them the opportunity to do that. We know that, for instance, it's forbidden for uh, minors, minors uh, below 18 years old to attend mass, but now they have uh, uh, the power to control everyone to make sure 
to control who could attend mass or not. So it's it's extremely con concerning. And if we are not careful about that, it could also touch us in the West as well. Because if we generalize this uh, this mass surveillance system, uh, it's an open door for governments to control anything and to, to control our uh, religious freedom. So we, we must be extremely careful about that. Uh, this is the, the, the main tendency I've been believing, uh, I've been uh, re reporting about in my article. Yeah, one thing you mentioned in the article here, and I'll read it, uh, it says, presented by Open Doors Italian Bureau during the January 13th news conference at the Chamber of Deputies in Rome, the report referring to the period between October the 1st to September 30th mentioned in particular a 60% increase in the number of Christians killed because of their faith. 60%, Celine, that is a, that is a, a terrible increase. Um, how much reporting is happening about the Christian persecutions in general, let alone coronavirus-related, in Europe right now? Well, it's uh, it's it's difficult to say because uh, the the the, the the director of the Rome Bureau of Open Doors told me that, uh, that he sees an increase of interest on the part of governments. So it's a very good point. It feels that people are uh, getting more concerned about the persecution of Christians worldwide. Uh, he's getting a lot of more and more media attention. But at the same time, it's still a very underreported uh, topic. Uh, we, we, we dedicate very, very little money to the protection of Christians and religious freedom worldwide. So it's still very paradoxical in the sense that there is a growing interest, but at the same time, we we don't really take the uh, we, we we are not careful about uh, the, the current situation. We we are not really concerned about what is going on and this mass surveillance worldwide. So you just mentioned the fact that many Christians were killed, like sixty percent more, but it was uh, like very. Um, it happened mostly in Africa, uh, Nigeria, and the sub-Saharan Saharan uh, regions. Uh, so it's still very uh, concentrated in the in the the African region of the world, uh, while in other parts of the world like Asia, India, um, Central Asia, it's it's more of a, a discrimin discrimination through uh, uh, government aids and and politics or mass surveillance. So it's it's a different kind of persecution from a country to another, from a part of the world to another. There is something new as well uh, in Central America, South America. So we know uh, we know that they can be very violent countries for, uh, for for Christians. But since the health restrictions have prevented a lot of uh, the police and military forces to to be more on the ground, it has given them the opportunity to uh, uh, to commit abuses uh, on local population. It has had a terrible impact on Christian communities as well. Uh, Celine Tadier is our guest today. She is with the National Catholic Register, and she has these uh, articles that we're discussing. This one here is on coronavirus lockdowns, uh, increasing Christian persecutions worldwide. It's pretty startling news. Um, somewhat related to this, though, Celine, I wonder, I've, we've seen reports. They don't get reported all that much in the mainstream news outlets here in America, but uh, we've seen reports about uh, uh, people coming out and protesting these lockdowns. So when we get back from this very short break, I want to ask you about that. What is the pulse of Europe right now in connection to lockdown? So we're hopefully have you comment on that on the other side of this very short break. So don't go anywhere. More conversation with Celine Tadier from the National Catholic Register is coming up. Plus, a lot more Catholic Drive Time is headed your way. We'll be right back.
This is a Messy Family Minute from Mike and Alicia Hernan. We get questions all the time about when a parent should allow a child to experience certain freedoms, such as having a smartphone, going to parties, or dating. The answer is not clear-cut, because all children mature differently. How is a parent to know what to do? The analogy we use a lot is teaching a child to swim. When kids are young and aren't familiar with the water, you keep them close. As they learn, you let them go out a bit farther. The ultimate goal is that you are standing on the shore watching them swim alone. When kids are young, it's our job to protect their innocence. But as they grow, we need to help build Christian maturity. Through this process of forming them in virtue, parents learn when to give the children a chance to try and sometimes to fail. We think it's wise for parents to teach children how to handle certain freedoms when they're under your roof. Then you can be there as a trusted guide to help them navigate the turbulent and occasionally confusing waters of young adulthood. For more resources in our podcast, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you this morning. We're having a conversation with Celine Taddier from the National Catholic Register. She's got a great article. We've linked to it, by the way. Coronavirus lockdown has increased persecution against Christians worldwide. She has another article we want to talk about here in just one moment. Uh, but you can find the links on our Facebook side of our show, facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time, for instance. But we're also posting them at GRN online there and on the Station of the Cross as well. Celine, before we went to the break, I wanted to bring up the uh, the protests across Europe to lockdowns. And I wondered how they might be re- related to this story. Um, I don't think it gets reported all that much in mainstream media in America that there are a lot of protests. At least it would seem that way. Maybe you could give us uh, the real uh, deal there in Europe. Are people getting tired of these lockdowns? Could that be leading to increased anxiety and frustration and and lashing out against groups like Christians? Celine Taddeier, National Catholic Register. Yes, definitely. We can feel uh, on the ground that people uh, are getting tired of lockdowns and the health restrictions because they want to be together again. It's, it, we are not meant to, to live like that. So people are getting tired, definitely. But at the same time, so there, we, we can see like protest movements raising slowly uh, in France, in Italy. Uh, it, it happened in the first place with uh, restaurants willing to open anyways. Uh, against the, the, the government restrictions. It was, it happened in February 1st in France and, uh, a, a few weeks le- uh, earlier in Italy. But for now, it hasn't really, uh, uh been fruitful, uh, in Italy or in France. But in, at the same time, we've seen in countries like Holland or Sweden, people resisting far more to, uh, to these restrictions. So we can see something is happening. It's not really clear right now. We don't really know. Uh, where we, we, we're going, like that, it's not really clear. We, we can definitely feel that there is a, a, a feeling like people are tired of this situation. They want to change. 
uh, in Italy, there is hope now with the change of government. So people just want to uh, to have their love back, you know, and, and be together again, be able to live and go to the ch to church and receive uh, Holy Communion properly, <laughs> finally. And so we just hope that things are going to move uh, for the best in the coming months. Yeah, and now to, I wanted to ask you about this other article that you wrote for the National Catholic Register. It's called Why There Will Be No Way Out of the Post-COVID Social Crisis Without the Family. Now, you're looking ahead with this article, so could you tell us about the social crisis that you're anticipating and how the family will be able to rescue us from it? Well, as you may know, uh, Europe has already entered a demographic winter uh, years ago. It was officially in 2015, but it started uh, 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 like years before. So it has dramatically intensified with the coronavirus health crisis, obviously, because we are facing a huge social and economic crisis and families are now hesitating even more uh, to have children because they, they, are, they are afraid they just can, cannot afford having children. Uh, so uh, it is a very concerning situation. So the, there is a foundation in Europe called the Federation of Catholic Family Associations in Europe, the FAFC, uh, which, which has been promoting a series of conferences uh, European conferences with uh, very important high-level European policymakers to uh, concretely uh, help people uh, raise awareness uh, about the future of families in the continent. Because if we don't defend families, let's be clear, the continent has no future because families are burying the whole continent. If we if we lose a family, we lose everything because if we are not able to uh, to ensure our demographic. A sustainability we are not going anywhere so this is what we've been trying to uh, to raise awareness about so we, we've been able to discuss with a lot of people uh, in the past weeks and i hope we've been uh, raising some concern <laughs> enough concern among these policy makers because we need a change is it too late for uh countries like italy for instance who has not been producing enough children to even sustain their own their own people. Uh, is it possible to turn that around at this point, or is Italy's future going to be a future of people who aren't from Italy and don't have a history in Italy? It's very complicated to say. Uh, I cannot give a very accurate answer to that. I know that the last figures are devastating, literally devastating. We've never had figures like that. It's like the the, 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 the last country of Europe. Uh, but the, the tendency is global, you know, in, 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 in Europe. In, in France used to be a, a, a very, a, it used to have a good the demographic trend, but with the coronavirus, we haven't had, uh, uh, the, the, these figures were so low, so low that it was like right after uh, World, War, World War II, just to give you an idea. So the, the situation is devastating everywhere. In Italy, I don't know if we can reverse the trend in the coming years, perhaps through very strong uh, family policies, but I'm not even sure, I'm not an expert uh, in, in, on this topic, but we need to raise awareness about that uh, with policy makers so that they at least try to make a change and try to reverse the trends. I don't know if we still can do something. The situation is extremely serious here, so I, I cannot uh, affirm that we can do something, but we need to try at least, you know, we, we can just give up like that because Italy is a very important country. It, it is where uh, we, we have the church here and we, it should be the, the basis of, of this demographic renewal in, in Europe. And if we don't do anything, 
I'm, I'm afraid the, the, the trend is going to be extremely uh, worrisome in the coming years. Now, in the nation of Hungary, they've sort of defended themselves against this trend um, by implementing pro-family policies and incentivizing people to have children. Are, are other nations in Europe as well also implementing these? And if not, why are they not doing that? It's complicated because, uh, as I discussed with uh, uh, Katalin Novak, the, the, the Minister for Family uh, in Hungary, she told me there is a taboo about demographic winter in Europe, and it is a very, uh, very serious issue because since we are not able to discuss a problem, an issue, it's like a taboo, we cannot address it properly. Oh. Uh, uh, so we, we can just speak about demographic issue, but we cannot really explain that we have a huge uh, uh, drop in natality rate. So we just we would just say we need more migrants in Europe to make sure that we will make uh, pensions and retirement systems sustainable, but it's not enough. And so she told me, in Hungary, at least, we are the only country we, which is really addressing the problem and speaking about it like out loud, like facing the problem and mm-hmm. saying, okay, yes, we have a problem and we are tr- going to try to address the problem with concrete uh, policies. And so they have extremely efficient policies. It's like the model in Europe for pro-family activists like Hungary is the best possible model because they have been implementing very serious policies to encourage young people to make more children. Uh, they, they are very incentivated to have children like financially and socially. And it's, it's having a lot of effects. Even during the pandemic, it's the only country that hasn't uh, seen any drop in uh, its natality rates uh, over the past year. So it's huge. Uh, it's showing that their policy is working. We're talking with Celine Tadier from the National Catholic Register about uh, the coronavirus lockdowns, Christian persecution, and the family situation, which seems very, uh, very dire there in Europe. But it's not just Europe. I mean, even here in America, forget about 2020 for a moment and the coronavirus. Uh, the, the Georgetown University holds the, the statistics for the USCCB uh, over the last 50 years. And when you go, you can Google it, look for it yourself. But when you look at these statistics over the past 50 years in the church in America, uh, you see a massive drop in baptisms, infant baptisms, let alone adult baptisms, marriages, people just simply aren't being sacramentally married in America. So we already saw a massive decrease in uh, in church attendance, parishes are closing, religious vocations are down, these all statistics are down. In America, on, on a whole, if you took out the immigration uh, I think we are we are not are you know popular we are not having children at a high enough rate to sustain or even our own culture. Then you add immigration back, and we seem to be above what Europe is averaging. Um, what are the Celine? What are the bishops saying about this in Europe? It doesn't get talked about much in America. Are the bishops and pastors in in uh, Europe? Are they preaching on this? Are they talking about this at all? I'm not really aware about that. Right now, you know, the, the, the coronavirus crisis and uh, it, it's taking a lot of uh, it, it's taking a lot of attention. So I, I couldn't answer in a very accurate way. With the coronavirus added on top of all of that, it I think I saw a report. And I'm just speaking off the top of my head because I don't recall completely, but I thought I saw a report that said they uh, they were surprised that there weren't more uh, conceptions and births as a result to the lockdown. Uh, 
Um, has there been any increase or decrease on um, on conception and births as a result of the lockdowns in Europe? I'm afraid not. This is what we hoped for months ago, but eventually the trend is not here. Um, we, we, we're still witnessing a drop in, in the natality rate. So, you know, uh, because people are discouraged of having children because they are not even sure they can afford children. So uh, the, the situation is still critical. We, we were really hoping to have more children as a consequence of the lockdown, but it's, it seems not to be the case. Since we've been having like these devastating figures like all around Europe, Europe, even in France, where usually we have a good natality rate, it hasn't. It has never been so low since World War II, as I was saying uh, earlier. So, unfortunately, the trend is not uh, what we expected. In the UK, for instance, we were expecting such a trend, but it seems not to be the case. I mentioned that in my article as well. Mm. For now, the figures are not good, but we'll see in the coming months. For now, it looks like the financial aspect uh, is having the upper, the upper end over all of the rest. You know, people are not... They are putting aside their desire for children, okay. and they are just trying to 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 focus uh, on their economic life. And unfortunately, for now, this is the trend. All right, uh, Celine Tadier from the National Catholic Register. God bless you. Thank you for your time today and giving us the update. Uh, we're very grateful for you being on the program. We'd love to have you back sometime. My pleasure. All right, we're linking to Celine's articles. Make sure you read those and check them out. Uh, very insightful. Something to pray about. Another thing to add to our prayer list. Uh, that's going to do it for Hour 1 of Catholic Drive Time. We hope you can stick around because we still have a lot more Catholic Drive Time still to come. Of course, breaking news and stories, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. We'll have our game show. ChooseLife.com is our sponsor. More opportunity to win prizes this week. Plus the after show, we'll discuss everything we talked about in the program today. All that coming up if you can Hang out with us on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, or across the grnonline.com. We'd love to have you. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. My Protestant friends say the Catholic Church has added a lot of man-made traditions to the Word of God. Is that true? No, it's not true. Protestants go by the written Word of God alone or sacred scripture alone. Catholics go by the entire Word of God as it is found in sacred scripture and sacred tradition. All of the Word of God was originally passed down as oral tradition. Eventually, some of it was written down. This became sacred scripture or written tradition. However, Scripture itself tells us that not all the things that Jesus said and did were written down. That's where sacred tradition comes in. Paul says this about tradition. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Traditions taught by word of mouth and traditions taught by letter. Sacred Scripture and sacred tradition. In 1 Corinthians 11.2, Paul commends them for maintaining the traditions as he has delivered them sacred scripture and sacred tradition. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2 And what you have heard from me before many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is an instance in scripture of Paul commanding the passing on of oral tradition. 
1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. They received as the word of God that which they heard, not simply that which they read in Scripture. In other words, the Bible clearly supports the Catholic Church's teaching that the Word of God is contained in both sacred Scripture and sacred tradition. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Three little pigs were listening to Catholic Radio on the GRN and heard that the GRN was raffling off a 2021 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250. So they went to grnonline.com, bought five tickets for $100, and waited for their name to be drawn at the end. So, who's your favorite GRN station manager? I like them all, but especially Joe McLean. Confessions at 5. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. We just wrapped up a great conversation with Celine Tattier from the National Catholic Register. We also had a good conversation with Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto in the last hour. Both of those conversations will be posted as individual videos on our uh, Facebook side, or rather on our YouTube side, and or I don't know. Let's ask. Adrian Fonseca, good morning to you. Where do you post those videos, by the way? Well, I am posting on uh, YouTube, on Catholic Drive Time. Okay. I'm posting on Rumble. Mm. I'm posting on Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. And Emily is posting on Instagram and on Twitter. So follow Praise us God. everywhere so you can get be up to date with everything we're doing. GRNonline.com forward slash CDT has links to all of those places. So it's a great place to find that. Good morning to you, Emily. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing? <laughs> One of these days, you will remember to turn your mic on. <laughs> One of these days. It will click in eventually. <laughs> good morning to you. I'm hi. Good morning. It is a good morning. How are you? We almost Praise made it God. through the week. Tomorrow's Friday. Do you know we're supposed to get snow this <gasps> weekend in Texas? In Houston, Texas. That's crazy. Yes, I think confession lines are already filling up. <laughs> uh, people are trying to get right with God. Emily's used to it's, that though, being from Chicago. But like as a northerner, it's really amusing to watch everyone get so excited. <laughs> <laughs> when I moved to uh, New England in 1997, uh, the first snow winter storm I had to drive in, I totaled uh-huh. my car. Oh no! <laughs> I slid. It was a. It was a. I think it was an eighty, eighty, eighty-two Celica or something. I slid for like seventy-five yards at ten miles an hour into the back of a semi-trailer. Seventy-five. Is that a football field? It felt like it. <laughs> I mean, it was like it was like slow motion, and I could see it coming. Oh, and man. then it was a semi-trailer parked at a red light, and the right light turned green, and he just took off, and I was stuck there. 
Anyway. Oh, man. Stay so, safe out there. It's don't be drive chaos. in snow. <laughs> or, that's, yeah, I think it's the moral lesson. We're going to have the Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. Of course, we'll have the game show. Three more opportunities to get into the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence in this hour. So if you have never been a contestant, today is your day. You can make that phone call. Be our first caller. I'll tell you when uh, to make that call. So be on the standby for that. It's a lot of fun. We l- learn a little bit in the process as well. Holy Mass will be at 7.30, and then we will stay on for the after show of our program on the live video feed on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. You can find us on all three of those platforms at GRN Online. That's the the hour this hour. We hope you can be a part of some or all of it, if possible. But let's pray for your intentions. I'm going to include those, dear listener, with our intentions here as a team, as well as for peace in our country and in our world, and for the conversion of sinners. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. Thousands of parents took a stand against the implementation of transgender policies in Virginia schools this month. The concerned parents managed to stall the implementation of a government-mandated transgender policy in all K-12 schools that would allow boys who claim to be girls to enter girls' bathrooms, dressing rooms, and changing areas. Slated to take effect on February 4th, the mandates were sent back for review for another 30 days after more than 9,000 Virginians commented on them at a state-run public comment site where they opposed the policies two to one. The Family Foundation of Virginia called the policies troubling and unworkable since they would force all students, faculty, and administrators to comply with an empirically false view of sex and gender, even if it directly conflicts with their own fundamental beliefs. If Virginia can't remedy the concerns during the 30-day review process that the Founding Freedoms Law Center has brought forward, then there will be litigation. In another act of big tech censorship, YouTube has banned the popular Catholic website LifeSite News from its platform and has completely removed all of the videos posted on their channel. YouTube had previously suspended LifeSite's channel last November after allegations of medical misinformation were made against a video featuring comments from a medical doctor, Dr. Roger Hodkinson, CEO and medical director of Western Medical Assessments. Dr. Hodkinson said that the media reaction to and the politics of the coronavirus were, quote, the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on an unsuspecting public. In a statement made to the Media Research Center, LifeSite News Editor-in-Chief John Henry Weston said the website remains undaunted by YouTube's censorship and will move their content to alternative platforms. A scandal at a Vatican seminary shows the growing division between Roman seminarians over the liturgy. At a hearing on Wednesday in a trial for alleged abuse and cover-up at a Vatican Youth Seminary, Father Gabriel Martinelli asserted his innocence, imputing abuse accusations to jealousy and divisions within the institution. The 28-year-old Martinelli has been charged with using violence and his position of authority to commit sexual abuse against a younger student at the St. Pius X Pre-Seminary in Vatican City. 
Martinelli claimed that there was conflict among students at the seminary who disagreed about liturgy and their preferences for the old or new rite of the Mass. The alleged abuse victim, LG, will take the witness stand in mid-March. And on Wednesday, Pope Francis said that prayer can fortify us as we face the challenges of daily life. Speaking at his, at his general audience on February 10th, the Holy Father explained that prayer helps us to see the infinite grace that lies beyond the visible world, saying, quote, Christian prayer instills an invincible hope in the human heart. Whatever experience we touch on our journey, God's love can turn it into good. In his address, the Holy Father continued the cycle of catechesis on prayer, which he launched in May and resumed in October following nine reflections on healing the world after the pandemic. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Of course, it's the feast day of Our Lady of Lourdes. Uh, incredible, incredible uh, moment of, of the most, some of the most profound apparitions in our church's history outside of maybe that of Our Lady of Fatima or Our Lady of Guadalupe. So I encourage you to, to read more if you, if you haven't heard of Our Lady of Lourdes, which I find would be fascinating if you've never heard of her. But today I'm going to share with you the story of Pope St. Gregory II. Why? Because you probably never heard of him. That's why. He was born in 669 in Rome, Italy, involved in early church, uh, in the church in, at an early age. He served under Pope St. Sergius I. He was ordained as a subdeacon under the Pope, and he served as the Pope's treasurer and the church librarian for four pontificates, in fact. He was elected as a pope in uh, as the 89th Pope in 715, he would hold synods to help correct abuses, stop heresies, and promoted disciplines in morality and religious and clerical life. He rebuilt a great portion of the wall that surrounded the city of Rome to protect against the Lombards, and he helped many of the sick, the aged, and helped to reestablish monasteries and abbeys. But it would be in his dealings with the Emperor Leo III that I think would give us the most insight into his life. You see, at the time, Leo III wanted all religious icons and images destroyed. This was the iconoclast uh, time, and it would be the Pope who would have to stand against him with strength and conviction and patience, trying not to create division in the church while at the same time not giving over to heresy. Many of the bishops who tried to convince uh, Emperor Leo were unsuccessful and they appealed to Pope St. Gregory II, and he tried to also convince uh, the emperor, but he had to c encourage the faithful to give reverence to the emperor while at the same time not supporting heresy. Seems like a situation we find ourselves in all the time these days. Hmm. P Pope St. Gregory II died on the 11th of February, 731 in Rome, Italy. Pope St. Gregory II, pray for us. The gospel today comes from Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. Jesus went to the district of Tyre. He entered a house and wanted no one to know about it, but he could not escape notice. Soon a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a, Syro a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to drive the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first. For it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied and said to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. Then he said to her, For saying this, you may go. 
the demon had gone out of your daughter. When the woman went home, she found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. I, this is a powerful little passage, too. I think I've said that almost every day, but I mean it this time. This is a powerful little passage. Jesus is preaching in Tyre, a mostly Gentile region. So he's preaching to a lot of non-Jewish, non-Israelite people here already. So we wonder what's really behind all of this exchange. Does he really mean, in fact, that uh, that he has not come to help these Gentiles? I think it's quite the opposite, and we see that a powerful demonstrated here that, in fact, it's her faith, her faith in him, her faith in this Jew, this Messiah who is not even a part of her people, her faith in, in God himself and her perseverance to not allow her to be shaken so easily. Sometimes God tests us this way, right? And it's perseverance in faith that can see us through the day. And I like this use of the word dog here when Jesus says to her, you know, we can't take food from the children, i.e. Israel, and give it to the dogs, i.e. the Gentiles. You see, the Jews were fond of calling the Gentiles goyin, the Gentile dogs. It was a it was a slur. It was a uh, it was a way to dig at them. But she does not let that bother her. In great humility and in faith and in perseverance, she does not get uh, give up. In fact, she acts on behalf of her child who cannot act on her own behalf like parents bringing infants to baptism, for instance. You know, we this is a powerful passage, and we see St. Paul himself refer to this division in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, speaking of the great dividing wall in the temple. You remember that court where Jesus takes the cords and he drives out the money changers? That court was the court of the Gentiles. That is where Gentiles, people like me, people like you, could come to the temple, to the house of the Father, and to pray in the family of God. But the Pharisees, the Sadducees, these scribes, they set up the, the market there to p- prevent the Gentiles from doing that, making it impossible for them to pray. This is why the Lord drove out the money changers. But there was a hole in the wall that separated that court from the court of the Jews. And above that hole was a, a sign that said, pass at your own risk, because the Jews would kill you if you were a goyin dog. Well, St. Paul says, it is God's love, mercy, and his divine will to tear down the dividing wall, right? To bring us into the one body. And Jesus, speaking to this woman of great faith, great faith and perseverance, says, go, because her faith has saved her. Emily, Adrian? Yeah, I think it's important to note that this was a prefigurement of the sacrament of baptism, specifically prefiguring infant baptism, because it is the faith of the mother that saves the daughter, not the faith of the daughter herself. We don't know anything about the daughter. She could be who knows how old. But the fathers of the church point out, according to Aquinas, that the uh, that the devil who is inside the child that is driven out by our Lord is the same thing that happens in baptism. Because whenever before we are baptized, we are in the realm of the devil. We are in his his domain and we are his property. And that's why in the old rite of baptism, there is multiple exorcisms throughout the uh, baptism. And so here, the uh, the church fathers and St. Thomas points out that uh, the driving out of the demon out of the child by the faith of the mother is the same thing as the driving out of the demons out of the infants from the faith of the parents in baptism. So I think that's a very important note to uh, to, to keep in mind. 
Amen. Praise be to God. Well, we're going to go to a break here in a moment. And when we do, we come back with the, with the fear and trembling game show. Now is the chance. If you've never played the game and you want to get three opportunities into the drawing this week, we'll pull a winner out tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Three more chances. Here's the phone number. First caller who's never played before gets to be the contestant. 877-757-9424-877-757-9424-877-757-9424. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 115 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we secretly and uh, very hidden agenda here, we, we try to communicate a little bit about the faith. So you learn something new all the time. We have a nice little chuckle and laugh at, in the process, but never at your expense, dear listener. No, no, we, we instead, we make fun of Emily and Adrian, and, and it works out way better. And at the same time, prizes are involved, so it's a win-win-win for everyone, and uh, we always take the first caller who's not played before. We have to come up with a rule, though. At, at what point can someone who's played before play again? Well, I'm thinking that whenever we have, we go to share thon yeah. and we yeah. are broadcasting that way, we could take uh, the first caller. Or the first person who calls. 
after Sherathon, during Sherathon, because we won't be, because we'll we'll have uh, the Sherathon going on during our show. Okay, well, we'll talk about that, but uh, there's been some people who've wanted to play more than once, and we want to give them another shot, but we have to be fair about it, so we'll come up with some rules. But, so here's the deal, if you've just joined us, you're like, what is this? It's a game show, we're going to have fun, uh, but I don't ask the caller the questions. I have three trivia questions, all Catholic in my hand. I don't ask the caller, I ask Emily, I ask Adrian. One will be right, the other will be wrong and the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision who do they trust do they trust emily do they trust uh, adrian alien (laughs) and uh they'll have 15 seconds to make that decision every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win a prize tell them what they could win emily wow spot on timing um (laughs) so this week's sponsor is choose you can follow them on their social media pages on instagram and facebook and they are giving away this week a teething rosary for your babies so you can get them started praying the rosary before they can even eat food (laughs) solid food (laughs) um but really it's these are tested they're safe they're made out of silicone and they're so great um for Catholic families to start teaching your children at an early age. And they are also giving a 10% discount to all of our listeners who use the code Guadalupe Radio 10. And that's Guadalupe Radio in all caps. Amen. Praise God. Let's go to the phones. Uh, We are grateful for everyone who calls into the program, but we always take the first caller. Eliza, good morning to you. Thanks for being a part of the Catholic Drive Time show today. Good morning. Eliza, where are you calling from? Uh, San Antonio. San Antonio. Praise God. Good morning. What parish you go to? Uh, Holy Name. Holy Name. Now, Eliza, have you heard the report that uh, San Antonio could get snow this weekend? No, I haven't heard that, but <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> there is an actual report that Houston may get snow this weekend. Dallas is probably definitely going to get pummeled, but uh, Eliza, have you ever driven in the snow before? No. <laughs> Me neither. Well, it's a, it's a lot of fun <laughs> to do donuts. And uh, ni- 1984, I was living in San Antonio. We got a big snowstorm. We were doing donuts in the parking lot of Madison High School. It was a lot of fun, but uh, very dangerous. <laughs> so stay safe this weekend. But, Eliza, are you familiar with the Fear and Tribbling game show? Do you understand how the rules work? Yes, I do. So you know Emily and Adrian can't necessarily be trusted. Yes. All right. Well, then, fair warning. You know what you're getting yourself into. Let's start with Emily, as is our custom. Emily, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? I am sure. Emily, can you tell me who sentenced Christ to death? Um, so, uh, I guess, according to the laws at that time, it would have been Herod. Herod? Yeah. According to the laws? I believe so. Mm-hmm. Seems reasonable. It could happen. Uh, let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me who sentenced Christ to death? Who sentenced Christ to death? That's a tongue twister. Uh, <laughs> he's the guy who said "quid es veritas," right? Ah. Uh, so I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate. All right. Uh, so could be. Could be. So Adrian is on the hook for Pontius Pilate. Emily is on the hook for Herod. Who's right? Who's wrong? Eliza, what say you? Adrian. Survey says, congratulations. Well done. You were not fooled at all. Was that a tricky question, Eliza, or did you pretty much have that one down? 
No, I have that one up. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating fact. Up until recently, the oldest part of a gospel we had in our possession was from uh, this exchange in, uh, in from John's gospel between Pontius Pilate and Jesus, and it was exactly what you said, quidus veritas, what is truth? Truth is a person, Jesus Christ. All right, next question. Adrian, are you ready? Uh, yes, sir. Here we go. Adrian, what are the three theological virtues? The three theological virtues are fear of the Lord, prudence, and fortitude. Say it one more time. Prudence, fear of the Lord, and fortitude. Prudence, fear of the Lord, and fortitude? Yes, sir. That's your answer. That's my answer. All right. Let's see what Emily has to say. Emily, can you tell us what the three theological virtues are? Um, so these would be faith, hope, and charity. Faith, hope, and charity. The greatest of these is love, as St. Paul would say, charity. I see. So, all right. Emily is on the hook for faith, hope, and charity, and... Adrian is on the hook for, one more time, prudence, fortitude, and fear of the Lord. Prudence, fortitude, and fear of the Lord. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Is it Emily? Is it Adrian? Eliza, what say you? Uh, I'm going to say Emily. Survey says. Yes, Eliza. Eliza, tell us the truth. Did you know? Did you know the right answer? Did you just guess? No, I, he had, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky guess. I was like, uh, yeah. Well, it was a great guess because 50-50 shot, right? I mean, you don't even have to know the answers. You, you had a great uh, opportunity there, and you, you successfully guessed correctly. So uh, if you want to hang out with somebody who picks Powerball numbers, Eliza may be your pick. Uh, who knows? Uh, but last question, Eliza, are you ready? Yes. Okay, this could be a tricky question, too. Let's see. Emily, back to you. Okay. Emily, upon which famous English Catholic was conferred the title Defender of the Faith by Pope Leo X in the year 1521? Oh, this is a tough one. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't really expect anyone to know this one. It's And it's kind of a trick question because the answer is King Henry VIII. Are you sure? It's not what you'd expect. Yeah. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me upon which famous English Catholic was conferred the title Defender of the Faith uh, let's see. by Pope Leo X in 1521? 1521. Uh, Pope Leo X. I'm going to go with John Henry Fisher. St. John Henry Fisher. St. John Henry Fisher. Hmm. This could be tricky. Emily's on the hook for St. John Fisher. No, exact opposite. Saint who? I am on the hook for John Henry Fisher. And I Emily. am on the hook for King Henry VIII. There you go. Okay. <laughs> King Henry VIII is Emily, and Henry Fisher is Adrian. Right? Did I get it right? Yeah, that's, okay. that's right. Uh, who's, who's right? Who's wrong? Who's confused? 15 seconds to go. Eliza, what say you? Uh, I'm going to say Emily. Survey says... Not fooling Eliza. Oh my goodness. Not fooling Eliza. That's amazing. Wow. Did you know that one? No. 
Nope. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's so good. <laughs> yes, it is a tricky question because why? Because Henry VIII obviously apostatized from the Catholic faith in order to divorce and remarry it as he willed. So he wrote a book to defend the faith against Martin Luther, and uh, and then so the Pope awarded him for that, and then he left the church right afterwards. Which actually, his book on defending of the faith and the sacraments was probably written by uh, Saint Thomas More. So that's interesting. Uh, Fascinating fact, uh, uh, Emperor Charles V went to England before he went to Germany to accept to be cor- cor- crowned emperor in order to win the favor of Henry VIII against uh, the heretics in Germany. Well, Eliza, three for three, do you yeah. have a, a baby that's teething in your life that you could give this rosary to? No, well, my uh, niece has a, a little boy, so yeah, I'd probably give it to her if I were to win. Well, praise there be to go. God. Well, we're very excited, Eliza, that you're on our program today. You get a perfect score today. <laughs> and you know, it's funny because my husband, Angelo Bustamante, I know you all know Angelo. Oh, Angelo! Oh, we love Angelo. <laughs> yeah, Angelo hangs out yeah, every day. He's, he's, Yes, he's my husband. <laughs> oh, oh, he com- he commented yeah. on YouTube. Eliza is my wife. Good luck, honey. She's driving on her way to work. <laughs> Angela must be so proud. <laughs> well, praise be to God, Eliza. We're so fun to have you on the program today. We're going to put you on hold so we can get your information in case it's God's will that you be the winner. We might pull your name out of the coffee cup tomorrow live on the program. So, Eliza, God love you. God bless you on your way to work today. And thanks for being a part of the show. Thank you. Bless you, too. All right. That's going to do it for the radio side of Catholic Drive Time this morning. Praise God. The Holy Mass will begin airing here at uh, 30 after the hour. And if you go to Holy Mass, please do keep us in your prayers for your prayer intentions. We'd be very grateful to you. Of course, we pray for you every day, not only on the show, Divine Mercy Chaplet and 3 o'clock hour. We include you in our prayers every month. We have a prayer and uh, masses said for our donors and our, and our listeners as well. So uh, God love you all for being a part of the family here on the Catholic Drive Time Show. But we're going to stay on the air for, I don't know, the next 20 minutes or so on the YouTube stream, on the Facebook stream, on the Twitter stream, to hang out for what we call the after show, where we just sort of decompress. We chat with our, our, our the people watching us and commenting on the live stream. So if you can hang out with us on any one of those platforms, we'd love to see you. Just make sure you tell us where you're from and how you're listening and all of that. And we would, uh, any comments or questions, if you had any questions about anything we discussed today with Celine or with Michael Hitchborn or any of the topics we brought up, we'd love to do that with you in the after show. So stick around for that. But don't forget one more time, get that Father Bill case talk and uh, make sure you join the Catholic Drive Time email list. Uh, We're going to be launching some special content just for the Holy Season of Lent and we'll send that to you through the email list. Pull out your cell phone, text the letters GRN to the number 42828. So GRN to the number 42828. Get you in the email list very quickly, very easily. And then you also get the Father Bill Casey link delivered right to your inbox. And you can watch that. 30 minutes. It's powerful. The State of the Union, the church and society, where we're going, and what you need to be doing and thinking about. It's powerful. Tomorrow on the program, we're going to have a great show, and we're glad you're going to be a part of it. Uh, Father Sebastian Walsh will be on the show. We'll see you then. God love you. God bless you. From all of us here at Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time.
Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Welcome to the after show of uh, Catholic Drive Time, where we let our hair down and get a little more casual about the conversation. And some of us have more hair than others. <laughs> I'm just saying. So uh, thanks for hanging out with us today. If you're on Facebook right now or if you're on uh, YouTube or Twitter, make sure you comment. Let us know you're watching, you're hanging out with us, where you're from. I'd love to know where you're from. And if you have any questions or comments, uh, we'd love to see those too. And uh, we have intentionally refrained. Uh, we have intentionally refrained from uh, mentioning anything from Jesus Robles because Adrian will only just come back to the microphone and read them anyway. So might as well <laughs> let him do it. Might as well let him do it. I am so confused. I don't know what you mean. I don't know at all. Joaquin over on the Catholic Drive Time side of Facebook hanging out. Good morning. Joe trying to fool the caller. I was trying. I am the caller's <laughs> advocate. They're figuring you out. I Joe. am the <laughs> only one who really loves and supports the caller. <laughs> look, look. The truth is, the truth is, mean, Joe is on the caller's side. I am. He just was fumbling over his words and couldn't figure out what <laughs> who was who. But other than that, it was, Joe's on Joe's on the caller side. I can't remember Adrian's tricky answers. My my yeah, none of my answers. I try to make them as long and complicated as possible. That's why I ask him three times because I wonder if he actually remembers. If like if he'll <laughs> change the answer, he every always, time. and he always does. He always does. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, I have him. I have him up here. I have him. Uh, I usually I write down the complicated answer on my hand, and then I just read it. No, no, not really. I'm certainly not uh, smart enough to, to you know, I, I used to be. I used to have a very sharp brain. In fact, funny story, Joaquin, you're making me uh, rem- remember something. When I was a teenager, I went to Navy boot camp up in the Great Lakes and um, with the Naval Sea Cadets. And the company commanders, which are like naval versions of drill instructors, every time we would go to Chow, I was, uh, I was the RPOC, the Recruit Chief Petty Officer. So I was in charge of all the other recruits. And I was the last to eat. And so I would have to wait for everybody else to go and get in line. And he would sit and whisper into my ear, you know, some naval saying, you know, three degrees down the down plane, you know, come right, hard right, start right, you know, all the, he would just, just, just go off in my ear. And I would have to memorize everything he said. I spent my entire meal repeating over and over and over everything this guy said to me because at the end of my meal, I had to go to the special little room where all the officers and company commanders were. I'd pound on the hatch and at the top of my lungs, I would repeat screaming this, uh, this phrase and I had to get it perfect every time or else, or else else the punishments would be horrendous. Uh, yeah, so I used to be able to I do that, but I'm old that. now and I can't I can't perform at that that N- mental acuity. Never anymore. never in my life have I had needed to uh re- repeat things that people were yelling in my ear. Uh but now I just listen to you in my ear every day. <laughs> Lori, so. Lori says go navy. <laughs> go navy, Lori. Thanks for hanging out with us Lori today again. Leticia, I see you. Praise God. It's great to have you on our program again. Uh, in the after show, we're very grateful to you. Of course, it was funny. It was fun to see uh, a- Angel. I'm sorry we didn't see Angela's comments while <laughs> we were talking to Eliza earlier. But uh, yeah, that would have been funny. Angela was like, "Eliza's my wife." <laughs> <laughs> That's super cool. Uh, Valen- Val- Valentin, 
I, did, I messed that up yesterday. Valentine. I messed that up yesterday, too. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm sorry, Valentine. And then now can we Thank, read Jesus' comments? Team. Yeah, please. Awesome. Jesus said, uh, it could happen. Qui <laughs> qui veritas, nice. And uh, I think he's referring to uh, Joe after everybody's uh, responses always says, it could happen. <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> it could be the right answer. It could be. Who knows? Uh, Valerie says she's watching on uh, YouTube. Because it's too icy to get in the car. (laughs) 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 Yay and amen, Valerie. Valerie, where are you from that you're having all the ice issues? I'd like to know. Maybe you can tell us like the state or something like that. Raquel says, good morning, guys. Is it selfish of me to pray for the snow to hold off until Tuesday? It's no no fun having a snow day when you are already off. (laughs) Yes. You know, it's going to be interesting. If we get snow here in Houston, one to two inches, that's enough to make our highways a hot mess. Uh, That's going to be interesting for us to be able to pull off the show on Monday, depending on how that snow situation works. We've had ice storms here in Houston that completely shut down the city. So, and it's going to be down to like 26 degrees or some crazy number. So, it, I don't know. Um, Monday, hopefully, prayerfully, we'll have ourselves a show. But so it, that means you need to tune in on Monday to see what happens. Yeah. Either we're going to be, uh, it's going to be a disaster and it's going to be hilarious for, uh, for y'all to watch, or it's going to run smoothly and no one's even going to notice. Valerie says she's from Fort Worth. Fort Worth. Do they have salt up there? Why are they not using salt? <laughs> right. Yeah. Salt for what? So, yeah, the roads. For the ice. I it, don't. Yeah. Melts the I snow. Know. Oh, do you remember that story, Father Heilman, a blessing the salt uh, supply for his yes! town, exercising oh, the so salt cool. that they would put on the roads? Yeah, uh, let me tell you something. Uh, in in Chicago, there's a very popular traditional order of priests there, um, and they went to the water tower in Chicago that's right. and did an exorcism <laughs> on the water tower so that all the water that flows through Chicago is now exercised and blessed. That is awesome. That's so. Funny. We need more of that. Yes, yes. Absolutely. I'm thinking about all the water towers just in our area that could be exercised. Just go exercise the ocean. That would be... I should probably start exercising. Yes, me too. (laughs) Wait, what are we talking about? Did you hear the story of the Colombian bishop who dropped holy water on Colombia? (laughs) Yes. By helicopter. I wonder if it worked. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I applaud his uh, his strong desire. Ask St. Scholastica, patron of weather. She did that. And she was uh, just her, her patron was just, just passed, passed this yeah. week. Yeah, that's right. So she met with her brother. She would meet with her twin brother, St. Benedict, once a year. Um, and they were meeting one year. It was getting late. And St. Benedict said, I have to go home. St. Scholastica said, no, I want to keep talking to you. I only get to see you once a year. And so she prayed that there would be a storm. And the storm actually came. So actually the opposite of what I think Valerie wants. <laughs> or not Valerie. Um, well, then, but then he Raquel. died. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, they were. Whenever they were there, he. She wanted him to stay because she was convinced that she was about to die soon. And that's so right. He prayed. She prayed that he would stay, and then that that happened, and then she died that night. And and Saint Benedict was like, "Well, good thing I stayed." <laughs> Susan over on the Catholic Drive Time side of uh, Facebook says, "We got five feet in Buffalo <gasps> in twenty four hours five a few years feet? ago. Called it Snowember. <laughs> that is almost taller than me." <laughs> I remember. So my when I my my wife and I were married in the Cathedral of Manchester, New Hampshire, in Ooh. in September of two thousand, and uh, we bought our first house in November of that year up in Gilmanton, which is north of Concord, the capital. And it seemed like that winter 
Every other week, we were getting major snowstorms, and because our house was downhill from the road, we were getting like four-foot snowdrifts up against the house all the time, and I was constantly living outside with a snow shovel in my hand. It was, it was utterly brutal. Uh, so when we moved to Texas in 2006, uh, I didn't miss shoveling the snow. But my kids are going to really have a good time if it does snow here. Did y'all see that story? Uh, I forgot who put it out. But there was a, the, this Trump supporter who shoveled the, someone, their neighbor's oh, driveway. Oh, my goodness, Did you yes. Hear that? Oh, my gosh. It was crazy. They, they shoveled the driveway of their neighbor, who was a Biden supporter. And they wrote an article about them saying, you yeah. know, it's really strange because, you know, they did something nice for me. But, you know, they're evil racist. Correct. So I don't know how I should react because, I mean, Nazis, they had Nazis and Nazis were nice to their neighbors. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know what I don't know what to do. And I thought yeah. that was like that was crazy. That's bizarre. It's a bizarre world. Bizarre world. Yes. Uh, I see other folks hanging out with us. Uh, Jesus on YouTube side, different Jesus from the Facebook side. I see Monica over there. Of course, we mentioned Angelo and, and uh, Myra's over there as well. Uh, so praise God for you're hanging out with us on, on YouTube. Good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out. Comment. Let us know where you're from and what you're up to. Uh, Celine was a great interview. She was wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've never interviewed Celine before. So we're always on the lookout for new, new people to talk to, mm-hmm. uh, interesting people to give us information. You know, and I found it fascinating to have the conversation about uh, the uh, um Families not having enough children to sustain their communities, sustain their people, their society. And it's a real possibility that the Italian people could go away in, the, you know, in a few generations because they just don't have enough kids. But they weren't having enough kids well before coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Uh, be- they were choosing to live lives with less children. And as th- there's consequences to that. I thought the exact opposite was going to happen. I thought coronavirus was going to cause there to be more conceptions rather than less. Right. That, that, yeah, that's there was Celine a big talk said. about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very strange to me, the whole idea that, it, <laughs> that it's going down. But, you know, in positive uh, news, the, the glad trads that we had on our show a couple weeks ago were reporting on statistics at Latin mass communities and talking about how the, uh, the children rate, the, uh, the young people rate is absolutely like skyrocketing over there and so the future of the church looks like it is uh going to be okay um but i think benedict what he said about the church is going to get smaller before it grows again um is definitely going to be it looks like it's going to be true yeah amen mm-hmm. uh you know what i'm going to do uh, we have uh i don't know 10 minutes or so left in our conversation on the after show here if you would like dear listener if you're hanging out with us on one of these platforms and you want to be a part of our program, you have a question or a comment you want to make over the phone, I'm going to give out the phone number. If you want to call in, you're welcome to do it. Here's the number, 877-757-9424. If you have a question or a comment, you want to be a part of the uh, conversation, we have about 10 minutes. We can take a few calls. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424 is the number. It'd be fun to take a, a call or two from mm-hmm. people hanging out with us. That'd be fun. Now, Joe, am I going to go monitor the phones, or are we just going to throw them on air? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to go screen them a little bit. 877-757-942. I'm typing it as I speak. Now, Lepanto Institute, I wanted to talk a little bit more about our uh, talk with... Uh, Michael Hitchborn. Yeah. Because this is the time of year that all those purple rice bowls go up in all the parishes. Yes. You know, the ones where you're like, am I supposed to put rice in here or money? And then it turns out it's money. Um, <laughs> turns out it's uh, money. And so the, the rice bowls, those are, that program is run by Catholic Relief Services, which if you go to the Lepanto Institute, 
this is listed as not safe to donate to. And um, I'm going to link this on our uh, Facebook page, but uh, the Catholic Relief Services is not safe to donate to. Lepanto Institute has postponed their investigation into them, but they found a lot of evidence that they're supporting contraception and things that go against church teaching. And so just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. Keep an eye out for those rice bowls. You know, that conversation always gets, uh, you know, he gets in a lot, he gets heat uh, a lot because how dare he criticize kind of thing. And it gets, comes, it always comes down to like politics. It's not politics. It's the faith. Morality. It's <laughs> morality. It's not right versus left. It's right versus wrong. And uh, you know, it seems a little crazy that Catholics always, uh, you know, seem to not want that conversation. But uh, it's an important conversation to have. We must uh, adhere to the morality, the, to the to the faith. It matters. It, these things matter. So uh, I was glad to have Hitchborn on the program today. And of yeah, course, I like the fact that Hitchborn actually includes organizations that do a great job with mm-hmm. the, with uh, the charitable works of the you know that we should give money to that aren't co- morally complicated mm-hmm. or whatever. So, and I'm glad that we uh, remember to talk about it this time because every yes. time we have him on, we're always like, oh, let's make sure we bring up about uh, the, yeah. char- the, the his never do. ones that he vetted, and then we always forget. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he's doing really good work. So go go support Lepanto Institute because they're doing that good work. Yeah. Um, what else? Praise God. Um, we could talk about, so there was the Mandalorian star who was fired. What did she do? She got canceled. She got canceled because she compared, um, I, I'm, I've been trying to find the original post, but I haven't been able to. Apparently she said. Probably got deleted. Yeah, probably. She compared, um, the way that the leftists are treating Republicans as, um, she compared it to Nazi Germany, which is like, everybody compares everything to Nazi Germany. It's the most <laughs> overused metaphor of all time. But she's been fired now from the Mandalorian. Um, and so what? now there's a, there's a hashtag cancel Disney plus. Dang. Um, in response to them canceling her. And the actress's name is Gina Carano. Yeah. Uh, Leticia says on Facebook, uh, what's your opinion about lifting the dispensation in our archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, or any diocese? Uh, so I think... The, I'm assuming lifting the dispensation for not having to go to mass. A lot of dioceses have already lifted this dispensation. Like, for instance, the personal ordinary, the chair of St. Peter, which is a non-territorial diocese, meaning they're like all over the United States and Canada. Um, they've already lifted it. So you're part, if you're part of the ordinariate, uh, which our uh, GM in Houston, Tim Mata is, uh, he's, uh, you're obliged to go to mass now. And so uh, a lot of parish, a lot of dioceses have already started to do this. And I think, I mean, look, looking at, what we know scientifically, it seems as though there's not really much of a threat anymore. We know now that only 0.02% of people get sick. And just in general, there's always been a dispensation for anyone who's sick to not have to go to mass. Yeah. So yeah. if you're like dying or you have the flu even or, or you contagious. have anything, you're right. any kind of contagious disease, you should stay home anyways. And Archbishop yeah. Vigneron pointed out, he's like, if you've gone out to eat or if you've gone out for non-essential shopping, then you can go to mass. Right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. it, because there's not much difference there. And, of course, in the dispensation that the Archdiocese of Detroit is now doing, there are those disclaimers for people who are still at risk. Yes, you still have the dispensation. Or if you're at, if this is going to cause a psychological issue for you, yes, you're still dispensed. Do you remember, uh, so a year ago, when the lockdowns started, the, they were closing masses. Uh, right. And we had this, what was his name, from uh, the Meaning of Catholic that had the, kept the map? Uh, Timothy, Timothy Flanders. That Timothy was, Flanders. That was, wasn't his map. Who was it? That's, uh, I thought com- it was him. That's complicit clergy. 
Well, okay, I kept getting oh, it from him, but I got—I was getting it from Eric Sammons. I remember what yeah, you're talking everybody about. Was everybody so there was, was sharing. There was this map yeah. they were showing. They were blacking out the states where the right. where the dioceses were shutting off the mass and locking the doors. I remember that. And Texas was holding out, and the the cardinal here he put out this statement and says, "Look, here's the deal: if you are sick, stay home. If you are at grave risk of being sick, stay home. If you've traveled from abroad." Stay home. He gave this list that seemed to be prudent. It seemed fair and reasonable. And, you know, and he said, use prudence, use, use caution, but let's go to Mass. And then all of a sudden, everything changed. And everybody was, I mean, when, when Bishop Strickland from Tyler made that choice, I knew it was all over. Mm-hmm. And Beaumont held out longer. I was yeah. surprised Beaumont held out longer. But uh, then all of a sudden there was the entire nation. And, and they basically, we learned later that the bishops, had, you know, were had a meeting and everybody was supposed to get on board and do the same thing. Right. And um, But I think the Cardinal's original policy, his original gut instinct was spot on. Use prudential caution. Caution. And that would be true if it was 10 years ago. If you're sick and you're contagious, don't go to mass. You know, you could, you could get other people sick. You should stay home and recover. You, ha- you have that option. Uh, so I thought his original plan was very good. And unfortunately, it changed. So I would love to see him lift the dispensation, go back to his original uh, gut instinct, because, again, I think it was very reasonable. And I think we're seeing a lot more, as you mentioned, Adrian, we're seeing a lot of dioceses actually going to that. Right. And I think this is where we're headed. And I think this is important because I was talking to, uh, I was posted on Instagram the other day, a couple weeks ago. I was like, if you are going to parties, if you are going out shopping, like Emily was saying, if you're doing all these other things, and if you're having people over at your house, you should be going back to mass. Yeah. And uh, Which one most of my people friends, are. <laughs> absolutely. And most people are. Yes, absolutely. And and one of my friends messaged me and said, you know, I've been, uh, we've been, I haven't been to mass since they they started um, saying that we don't have to go. And you know, I kind of felt like I should probably get back to mass, but you know, I just didn't feel like it. I was using this as an excuse to not go, but yeah, that's really convicted me. So I'm going to start going back to mass now. And I, and that's not to toot my own horn. It's just to say that this dispensation that's being given to everybody is give, getting people faithful Catholics that know the, what the faith is and are trying to follow it but you know we all experience spiritual laziness and it's giving everybody an excuse to not go to mass and to uh, and I'm terrified that whenever this is all lifted across the board people are going to not come back to mass and yeah. they're going to be in mortal sin for not going to mass well it's, I mean, it's scary we thought. set a dangerous precedent yeah. You can just simply stream the Mass. Why do you have to physically go to Mass? Mm-hmm. They were already not going in great numbers. <laughs> you know, all that's the point I was trying to make with Celine earlier. If you look at the numbers out of, uh, out of uh, Georgetown, uh, the numbers that the USCCB holds for the last 50 years, Mass attendance has plummeted. All, there's not... There's not one single good statistic on that list over the past 50 years. They're all really not uh, – they, they, they demonstrate that our church is not healthy at all right now. And this made that even worse. I mean, there's going to be – they were talking about closing schools on a mass scale, uh, Catholic schools I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're talking about uh, parish closures and more consolidations. You know, in Texas, we're a little spoiled. Um, yeah. What we experience in Texas is not what's what's usual in most other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. I lived. I became Catholic in New England, and when I became Catholic, we were dealing with the ch- the church sex abuse scandal under Cardinal Law in Boston, and they were having to consolidate churches 
and sell off property. And it was, there were people holding sit-ins to try to prevent the property from being sold. And, oh. and oh, Cardinal O'Malley had to call in the cops to, to remove them forcefully. I mean, there was all kind. I remember I had coworkers that would complain because the church that they were baptized in was, was, was sold off. I go, well, how, you know, do you still go to Mass there? Oh, no, we don't go to Mass. We, don't, we haven't gone to Mass in a long time. Well, then why do you care? I mean, if it's not important enough for you to go to Holy Mass, why is it important for you to keep the building, right? So um, I think we're going to see a lot more of that so, as a part of the uh, the consequence to, to all of this. Yeah, so we're about to go off air in a second. I pushed back the clock a little bit so I could read the comments that just came in. Lori. Uh, yeah, so uh, Lucia said... Uh, Michael Hitchborn is very courageous. It is important to pursue the truth, even if the truth is not what we want to hear. The truth as what we need to, is what we need to hear. She also said, this is why we should get rid of the USCCB. <laughs> I have comments about that. They have become a, pol- a political arm and not the, admin- ad- the original administrative arm that they were supposed to be. They have grown so powerful. Lori on Facebook said, my priest will not keep, uh, let my 87-year-old mom go to mass. I'm so sorry. Uh, Lori, go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Find a different absolutely. I'm so sorry, Lori. You know, we'll be definitely praying for your for your mom too. And Lucia said, "Adrian, you are exactly right." So I had to read that one because she said I'm exactly right. <laughs> That's why he pushed yeah, the exactly. clock back. People uh, will not go back to mass because they got you get used to watching everything virtually. And uh, let's see, I well, think Lucia is now a propagandist. You I didn't. Cannot <laughs> she says Adrian is right. You cannot virtualize yeah. the Eucharist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, praise be to God. You know, uh, it is a difficult time. And we have to, if we run into troubles in this regard, especially with pastors that shut us out, we have to find new parishes. That's what I say. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Just uh, go to a different parish if you can. But it's not always that easy. And I, my heart definitely breaks. In fact, you mentioned, Adrian, a minute go to ago. The FSSP. Uh, you mentioned uh, the Tradcast podcast. One of those guys he lost his father and he couldn't even go in to visit. They couldn't even get a priest into the room. The, the parish or the hospital was preventing them. And then when they did get a chaplain in there, it didn't go well. So these are difficult and troubling times. I know a few people that's happened to in 2020. Let us pray. Pray for the diabolical confusion to be lifted and for faith to be restored and to grow. Dark times bring clarity, though. So God's will be done in all things. All right, we're going to do it for be put an end to this show today. We're so glad that all of you are part of it. God love you. God bless you. Please share us and help us to grow our Catholic Drive Time family. We'll be back on the air tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, with Father Sebastian Walsh. Uh, talking about, he's got a book out. We'll be talking about that and much, much more. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow morning at Catholic Drive Time. Pull winner, too. Cool. God bless. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.